This Autoconverse podcast is brought to you in part by Ask Auto. With Ask Auto, you can get help finding the best car for you and your family, communicate with dealers, list your vehicle for sale, and get a free vehicle market report, all while protecting your privacy with our free Shopper's Shield. Find out more by going to autoconverse.com slash askauto. That's www.autoconverse.com forward slash askauto, O-T-T-O. And thank you. They initially just made an announcement. In fact, I heard it. I think I was driving in downtown Brooklyn, stuck in heavy traffic in August, and they, they made an announcement. Uh, I heard it over the radio. And um, my initial thought was, I, I think it's time to move to Texas now. I think now's the now's the time. I love New York City. I've been here for almost 20 years, but now you're starting to now you're starting to get on my nerves. That was restaurant owner Jeremiah Fox telling how he first learned that his restaurant in Brooklyn, New York, was going to start being required to have customers provide proof of being vaccinated for COVID-19 in order to eat inside his restaurant. The citywide mandates for indoor dining, entertainment, and fitness centers started being forced in September, and from the sounds of talking with Jeremiah, it doesn't seem too abnormal or disruptive for most New Yorkers. But that doesn't mean there isn't opposition. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Stick around for about 20 minutes or so, and we'll get into more of that conversation with Jeremiah, plus a whole lot of really cool mobility tech and connectivity news. From Autoburst Media, this is Autoconverse. Hey, we got a good show lined up for you today. Oh, well, I'm a Game of Thrones nut, so that's, that's, that's my jam. The robots are listening. The robots are listening. All right, and welcome to this episode of the Autoconverse podcast, where we explore people, ideas, and technologies that influence how we are connected and the way we get around. I am Ryan Girardi. It's great to be here with you, as always. Hope you're having an awesome day. And if you're not, well, let's see if maybe we can change that. As you heard me say, there are citywide mandates in New York and all five boroughs to provide proof of vaccination for COVID-19 for indoor dining, entertainment, and fitness centers. And while restaurant owners like Jeremiah might not be happy about them, there doesn't appear to be much he can do if he wants to keep his business open. Unlike one Rhode Island doctor whose family practice has been shut down because he refuses to get the vaccine. But when you put it like that into a headline, you're oversimplifying it. The doctor in this case may have good reason to not get vaccinated. For one, he has Lyme disease, and it's already known that these COVID vaccines are not expected to mix well with people or for people with Lyme. Also, he already has natural immunity. In fact, as a doctor, he's been able to monitor his antibodies. He says he has at least five times as many natural antibodies compared with what the vaccine would be expected to give him. So why take the risk? And why be forced to close his practice when the doctor and his team have been able to help people all this time without him being vaccinated? So these are the kinds of obstacles that people and small business owners are up against right now in this country. It's not just in New York or Rhode Island. And as Jeremy pointed out in our conversation, more of which you'll get to hear later in this episode, so again, stick around, 
But big box corporate America seems to be doing just fine through all of this. All right. Well, before we get into all that, how about some headlines? All right, let's get into today's news. In, a, in the single largest purchase of electric vehicles ever, Hertz Rental Agency has plunked down an order for 100,000 Teslas worth for almost $4.2 billion. And in another first, Tesla closed the day, this was just a day or two ago, up more than 12% with a market value that just passed $1 trillion, putting them in the league with Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, and Alphabet, which owns Google. Starting in November, Hertz customers will be able to rent Model 3 sedans in major U.S. markets and in parts of Europe. The move by Hertz, which you might recall we covered here, recently emerged from bankruptcy, is part of a plan to electrify half of its fleet, including trucks. So pretty big deal there. And speaking of Tesla, just this week, Tesla China launched a new massive delivery center, the grand opening ceremony in the Minhang district of Shanghai, making it one of Tesla China's largest delivery centers. Tesla's made significant strides in China throughout the past several years. We've been covering that. It's become part, it's become one of the company's most significant advantages in terms of growth. Boy, is Tesla growing. Not only has China become a mainstay of Tesla's all-electric vehicles, despite numerous attempts to derail the automaker's momentum, but it has also contributed to the growth of the company on a global scale. And now, Due to the need for Tesla's vehicles in Europe, Tesla has transitioned the, the existing Gigafactory in Shanghai into an export hub, expanding to produce more than 450,000 Model 3 and Model Y vehicles. Now, Tesla, they lead the way in a lot of areas. We cover that a lot here, as you know, from battery plants for its electric vehicles to car insurance that uses real-time driving behavior for calculating a customer's insurance premium. That's right, credit, age, and gender, which are typically used by most insurance providers, but not for Tesla's insurance, which is now available in Texas. The automaker says it won't even look at customers' claim history and driving records. And Tesla, by the way, I should say Texas, by the way, is where the company recently announced it'll be relocating its headquarters from California. Now, car insurance like Tesla's is great because it encourages good driving habits. It pays back customers with a rebate or a discount. I do this with my own insurance provider. It is a form of surveillance, which you know I'm sensitive to, but it's consensual and there are spelled out benefits uh, and uses for doing so. Now, an old school term for this would be, I should do a pop quiz. Remember this one? Big brother. But that is kind of 90s. We're going to circle back around to the subject of Big Brother, but first I want to finish off some of our latest developments in auto tech, beginning with Toyota. Not the only, Tesla's not the only company investing into EVs and infrastructure. Toyota is uh, joining other automakers, putting its money behind electrification. Announcing this month, it will invest $3.4 billion in battery development and production uh, in the United States throughout the end, through the end of the decade. Now, this investment, which comes through the Japanese automaker's North American arm, includes plans for a $1.3 billion electric vehicle battery plant under a new company 
uh, and with its metals unit, Toyota Susho, or Tsusho. The plant is anticipated to enter production in 2025 and expand through 2031, which by that time will employ or should employ over 1,700 people. Location hasn't been announced. I, I'm covering this. Look, all the automakers are investing into EV battery plants. Uh, if you do a search or visit my uh, site on Medium, just go to ryangirardi.medium.com. You'll see a nice article about EV battery development. Um, but this is pretty significant. Toyota also has been leading the way in this area. And all this is in a push to you know, respond to uh, global warming and climate change. And one development you'll see plenty of is like this one here. General Motors has announced it plans to source 100% renewable energy to power its U.S. manufacturing sites by 2025. That's only a few years away. Uh, this is five years earlier than previously announced and 25 years ahead of its, uh, excuse me, initial target that was set back in 2016. By accelerating its renewable energy goal, GM aims to avoid 1 million 1 million metric tons of carbon emissions that would have been produced between 2025 and 2030. So very, uh, you know, good development. I'm fascinated with how these companies uh, measure and monitor their carbon footprint to get it down to zero. All the major players, all the automakers, you know, the, the big tech companies, Facebook, Apple, all these guys are pushing forward towards having a zero carbon footprint. And GM seems to be uh, heading in the right direction very quickly. And finally, for some fun news, I'm not going to play this video. It's about two hours long. Uh, but Hollywood's Captain Kirk, remember from Star Trek, he's 90. William Shatner, he blasted into space this week, last week actually, in a convergence of science fiction and science reality, reaching the final frontier aboard a ship built by Amazon's Jeff Bezos's Blue Origin. The Star Trek actor and three fellow passengers hurtled to an altitude of 66.5 miles. It's just over 100 kilometers over the West Texas desert in the fully automated capsule and safely parachuted back to Earth in a flight that lasted just over 10 minutes. So if you have time, check out the video. You can skip through it. You can see the rocket takeoff. You can see it detach from the capsule that Shatner and the other passengers were in. So it's a small capsule. They show the rocket coming back which is just phenomenal. I mean, these, these, these rockets, they, they just return right back to the launch pad immediately instead of dropping into the ocean or, you know, polluting outer space. The capsule gets, goes off in its trajectory. They're in space for, I think, about five minutes maybe, and then it parachutes back down to Earth. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. So definitely something to check out. And then finally, the news, Southwest, I think uh, it's big news. Their flight cancellation problems uh, definitely returned with the vengeance. They had issues early in the summer uh, that they had too many flight schedules and not enough staff for that. They failed to cut that and it bit them again just a couple weekends ago, canceling over 2,000 flights, just affecting thousands of people. And what's peculiar about this particular incident is things got really worse when initially Southwest tried putting all the blame on weather and air traffic control problems, but the FAA refuted that. And the confusing messaging damaged the airline's credibility and then sparked widespread but unfounded rumors that pilots were calling out sick to protest Southwest new vaccine mandates for 
employees. So, you know, a lot of things like this might never get to the bottom of just here reporting the facts at Southwest, which affects, which affected many people on travel um, and Southwest did lose a ton of credibility. This AutoConverse podcast and the following message are brought to you in part by Vehicle Hero. You would think like the best time to buy the car would be day one, right? The day one listing. It just went live. You get hot on it, right? Like I got to buy it now before somebody else does. But that's also the time when the customer is at their highest asking price, yep. right? And and so when you call them and you, and you make the offer... They're like, well, I just posted it. I need to give it some time. And so uh, on our team, we call that, you know, time to marinate a little bit, uh, time to soften yeah. up, right? They need to take a couple of punches from the marketplace before yeah. they're willing to talk reality. So they got to have a couple of low offers from people. They got to have somebody stand yeah. them up on their lunch break, you know, to not see the car. They got to think they have a deal only to have the buyer not get approved from the bank. And they've turned down three other offers in the meantime, right? And now they still don't have a deal, right? So after a week goes by of this, uh, you call back and the offer seems a little nicer. If you've been paying attention, you may have noticed a subtle shift in car dealer ads on radio, TV, and the internet. For decades, car dealers have all screamed about having the lowest prices on cars. But nowadays, car ads are mostly telling you to hurry in for top dollar on your trade. We'll buy your car whether you buy one of ours or not. And that nobody pays more for used cars than Big Bob's Ford store. Nobody. At Vehicle Hero, we rescue your sale by making things as easy as one, two, three. You give us details about your car, we search our network, finding local dealers who want your model. Work through their bids, eliminating everything but the best offer. And you walk away happy without any of the inconveniences of used car sales. Selling your used car doesn't have to be full of drama. Vehicle Hero gets you paid with no settling, no switcheroos, and no stress. Find out more by going to autoconverse.com forward slash hero. That's www.autoconverse.com forward slash hero. And thank you. It only affects indoor dining, indoor uh, venues. So if you want to go see, uh, you know, live music or a comedian or something like that and indoor gyms, That's the, these are the only businesses that are required um, to check proof of vaccination. Um, so you can go into the local Costco who doesn't have a mask policy um, and you can be in there with, you know, over a thousand unmasked people that have not been checked for their vaccination and you can all shop right on top of each other for hours on end. But my 35 seat restaurant has to, uh, has to check vaccination status for you to come in and eat and drink. Do you wonder why that is? Uh, special interest, uh, or, I mean, my, my instinct tells me that, um, they're, the, the the local government is uh, has got their you know finger on the pulse of what the majority of people want to see from them and they're they're making moves based off of that to maintain some sort of confidence in their decision making process which is has been shaky over the last eighteen months 
um, and probably for for future party success, if not for you know the current uh, the current sitting administrators. That was Jeremiah talking about the obvious special treatment for big box America versus Main Street America, small businesses. And you heard me ask him why he thinks that might be. But let's rewind a bit to the beginning of our conversation to get an idea of the specifics of the New York City Vax Passport, or key to NYC, as they call it. You own a restaurant called Della. It's in Brooklyn, right? Correct. Okay. Um, do the pass do the passports affect you? Are you required to check for passports? We are. We are required to see proof of vaccination for anybody that would like to sit indoors and dine or drink. Um, they were unclear about what the requirement was for, but after they they rolled out the mandate, they clarified. So people can actually come inside. You can come into place in order. You can come in to use the bathroom if you're uh, a delivery person from one of our suppliers or. Uh, you know, a, a driver from Grubhub or Seamless or Uber Eats, any of the delivery apps, you can enter the premise without showing uh, proof of vaccination. It's specifically if you're going to sit down in the restaurant uh, to to dine or drink uh, for, for more than, you know, if you're there for more than 15 minutes is kind of the uh, the time frame they gave us at that point, then we're supposed to check. Okay. So, and I assume you have to be masked if you're just coming in for less than 15 minutes to pick something up. That's the expectation. That's the expectation that is not being enforced anywhere. Because okay. you have to, you would have to enforce that, right? Uh, they they left it up to uh, individual businesses going back to mid June when uh, the governor lifted pretty much most protocols for businesses uh, in New York City. Um, you know, they, they really left it up to the individual businesses. So there are plenty of businesses that still ask you um, to wear a mask upon entry, regardless. Um, you know, if you want to take any kind of public transportation here in New York City, it's a requirement. But I always just look at the, you know, the window um, or the front door of a business before I enter it. And if they have nothing about it, I just enter mask free. And how is it? imposed upon you as a business owner? Is it a letter? Did somebody come by? And who's imposing? Is it the city? Is it the mayor? Is it the state? Tell us kind of what what's expected and how it's expected from you and where that's coming from. Yeah. So this is, this is citywide. It's five boroughs in New York City only. So Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, Staten Island, and the Bronx. It is being enforced by the mayor and the mayor's office. Um, it's called Key to NYC. Um, and you can be inspected. They can deputize for uh, inspections for this uh, purpose. Pretty much any city employee. I've, I've heard of sanitation guys getting getting deputized to come in and, and just double check uh, enforcement. So let me go back. You said that the city can deputize people. So basically you'd have like a mystery shopper could come in and just see if you're if you're enforcing and if you're not, they can rat you out. That's what the purpose is. Well, more more so like this. I mean, you would expect the Department of Health, who regularly uh, inspects restaurants. That's who uh, that's that's who we get regular inspections from, just as an operating business pre-COVID. Um, and, and these have all been Department of Health related uh, issues. Um, a year ago, when when the mandates were a little different, where we had to take temperatures of anybody wanting to dine inside and get contact information from them, you know, prior to the vaccines being rolled out, uh, we were inspected two times by by you know NYPD. It wasn't Department of Health at all. It was uniformed police officers, 
and and they can catch you off guard because those guys just come in sometimes to check on things to see how business has been going, what the neighborhoods uh, acting like these days. But also uh, sometimes they come in to get food, you know, so they hit the door. My wife was here and she was like, hey, guys, you hungry? And they're like, no, we're here on the behalf of the Department of Health. And we're like, oh, that um, the most recent one was a gentleman in an FDNY polo, which means nothing. Um, he's not FDNY. Um, he's not a fire marshal or anything like that. Uh, just a guy in an FDNY polo with a clipboard. And when uh, he hit the door, he just said he was here on behalf of the mayor to uh, check on the implementation of the keys to NYC. What's strange about all this is when you sit and talk about it, you realize how all these measures being put in place don't have a rhyme or reason. There's no consistency there. It's like COVID affects these people over here, but it doesn't affect those people over there. As one of our online viewers put it, COVID-19 is the most selective virus in history. So how does one prepare their restaurant for this type of mandate? And how is this affecting customers? Here's Jeremiah. Uh, so here was the thing. They announced it early August and they said um, enforcement will begin on September 13th or 17th or something like that, mid-September. Um, they were going to begin enforcing it. So they gave people all this time to uh, to get vaccinated and to and to prepare. So it, it also included staff members. So your entire staff had to be vaccinated, had to show proof of vaccination as well. It's funny that if it's so important to <laughs> the, the hypocrisy, if it's so important, it's like, but we're going to give everybody time to get to get it all sorted out. That's, exactly. To me, it's like there's either an emergency or there's not, and that is. So you're sensing that too. How is How's the response from patrons? Talk, talk to me about what you're sensing from people coming in. It, you know, the other funny part is it affects very little most of New York City because New York City has a very high vaccination rate. There's there's small uh, pockets and communities that, um, you know, are known to be, you know, unvaccinated um, for their own personal reasons. Um, so like a, a you know, a fairly affluent neighborhood like the one that my restaurant is located in. And it didn't change anything. People people proudly came in before, uh, you know, they even had to show it or they would show it to sit in the backyard. And I'm like, well, you only need to show it if you're going to dine inside. And they're like, oh, I just wanted to show it. Like, so people here kind of wear it as a as a badge of honor. So it really, really didn't affect anything. And the other, you know, kind of funny part is like, you haven't seen a, a major increase in vaccination in New York City due to the enforcement of of this mandate. Uh, it just, it, things are just steadily, you know, increasing the way that they were prior. Uh, it wasn't like, I, you know, and I'm pretty sure it had to do uh, at least in part with um, the response in, in France when, when they mandated something similar earlier in the summer, I think they, you know, they saw a huge spike in, uh, in, in vaccinations once that mandate went out and, and you saw a lot of support for that um, especially on social media in New York City, where people, you know, people celebrated that and were saying things like, you know, New York City should do something similar. So I'm pretty sure the mayor's office was keenly aware of that and, and made its move, uh, at least in, in part based off of that information. You know, and the really interesting part is, you know, these these boroughs all have borders to other parts of the state. Uh, so, you know, Queens and Brooklyn border Long Island, uh, you know, the Bronx borders, uh, Westchester County and, and other parts of upstate and literally directly across the street, those mandates aren't in effect. So you could have, you know, uh, a commercial, a commercial district 
where one half of the street is in the five boroughs and the other half is not. So the restaurants on one side of the street, you have to check for vaccination, but direct, directly across the street, uh, there are no protocols for that at all. Uh, how is this affecting, how is it affecting your business? I was just reading an article about one restaurant owner saying he's lost at least 40, if not up to 60% of his business compared to like a year ago. Are you, is this benefiting you in any way or is it hurting you or is it having no effect? Um, it, it initially hurt us to about, about the same effect. We noticed overnight when they made the announcement, sales dropped by about 40%. And we were also back to, you know, 50% takeout. So we dropped and then what the, you know, the little bit that was left was divided between uh, takeout and dine-in, which was not the case prior. July was, was one of the best months of the year, which is very odd for us. July is not usually a, a solid month because we're in a, a residential part of Brooklyn and a lot of people leave town and, and just a lot of outdoor activities. Um, J- July was a great month for us. And then immediately they made that announcement and we, we felt it. And then it slowly kind of crept back up throughout the rest of August. And, and I would say by mid-September, things have kind of gotten back to uh, a normal state of flow and, and people are more confident. But, you know, what happens every time they make announcements like this is it, is it demonizes those businesses in some way. And they continue to do it, especially to gyms and to restaurants. Um, and <laughs> I mean, if there's anything you need to be doing right now, it's exercising. So why demonize the one thing that like we know will benefit you? I mean, you need to eat healthy, but not all these restaurants are, are considered healthy food. I mean, you've got companies like McDonald's recording like one of their best quarters ever, you know, in, in uh, sometime this year. Uh, so people are not making the best choices. And then, you know, the, the, the government and the, and the mainstream media are demonizing uh, some of the businesses that that you probably need to patronize the most. And um, and, and every time they make an announcement like that, it, it, init- it, it hurts us bad initially. And then there's this regrouping process and people kind of get comfortable again. But it's just like the shockwave that goes through everybody. Um, and it's, it's not great for us. No, you use the term demonized because I was going to ask you, like, have you had any incidences where you had to tell people, I'm sorry, you can't be here. I have to enforce this. Have you had any negative incidences? Not because of the vaccine mandate. <laughs> no? <laughs> no, from, from uh, you know. Uh, drunkenness, yes. But okay. Not, <laughs> yeah, not because of uh, not because of the mandate. I mean, we have outdoor seating, so again, if if someone uh, comes to dine with us and they don't have proof of vaccination, they can always have to sit outside, and it's it's not an issue. As to how these mandates are shaping public perception, Jeremiah says that the select few businesses like his that are being required to enforce the city's mandates are absolutely being demonized. It's just a very small, uh, a very small sector of businesses that are that are being uh, affected by this. And then, you know, I'm sure like clothing retailers didn't experience a dip in sales the day after they made that announcement because it didn't affect them. You know, they, they continue with whatever policy they felt was best for their business. Um, so, you know, what ends up happening when these announcements come out is like, oh, restaurants are bad. It's not safe to go to restaurants and people kind of recoil into their their tortoise shell for a little while and then they finally start to come out like okay you know death rates didn't go up you know sicknesses didn't go up maybe it's safe to go back out again and people want to go out you know uh, that's that's not the problem but uh again these shockwaves are sent through the community via you know government reports and and in mainstream headlines 
that that don't help uh, the businesses that are being uh, put under this this regulation. Jeremiah, great to have you here, and thank you for taking the time to share this with us. Always a pleasure. So there you have it, the life of a restaurateur in New York City. That wasn't my entire conversation with Jeremiah, but you can listen to the complete conversation and even watch it on our YouTube channel. So if you're subscribed, then just look at your notifications or check your email for the episode titled Hertz Goes EV, Tesla Big in China, and the Looming Vaccine Passport Effect. The whole conversation is in there. And if you aren't subscribed to our channel, then this would be a great time to send a text message to the keyword autoconverse to 855-766-7585. And you'll get a couple text messages from us, and one of those will be a link that allows you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Why would you want to do that? Because every time we go live with the Mobility Tech and Connectivity Show, the MTC Show, we'll send out a text message giving you the link so you can watch it live or at a time that's convenient for you. So again, text the keyword autoconverse to 855-766-7585. And don't mind the video issues on that episode. My, something was wrong with my video that whole show. So, uh, But Jeremiah's turned out great. All right, well, that's a wrap. Thanks again for tuning in. Please, if you haven't already, take a moment to rate the podcast. Go to the Apple iTunes store or up to Google Play, wherever you listen. Uh, and, and leave us a review. Let us know what you think. It doesn't have to be a five-star. Uh, in fact, I can't imagine it would be. I want to hear what is going to make this better. And keep your questions coming. You guys are so helpful by coming back with questions and ideas on what types of guests and what kind of conversations that you want us to have. So take a moment to do that. And hey, if you like what we're doing, tell a friend or two as well. That's the best way to get the word out and help our podcast grow. It's just tell a friend or two every once in a while. All right, I'm out of here. If you are a Doge holder, well, I would normally say to the moon. But last episode, I mentioned I had purchased 700,000 coins of the new SHIB in you. Well, I just checked, and it's up over 100% this morning from when I first purchased it three weeks ago. So if you're into crypto, then you may want to check it out. All right, we're out of here. Take care, and we'll see you next time around. Peace. This is Audiburst Media.